time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome into the latest edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. I am Chris Mack and... Yes. Yep, we're going streaking, friends. We are. The Pens five in a row now after a win in Columbus on Tuesday night. And after being, I don't want to say left for dead, but a lot of us a couple weeks ago questioned what the heck was going to happen with this team. They go out west, they get right, and they come back home. They blank the Sabres, and now they take care of business against Columbus. There is a lot of nasty schedule up ahead for them between now and the end of the month. We will get to that. We will go over what exactly worked in Columbus and what perhaps had some of you worried early on in this game and just the brilliance again of Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson. All of that on the way. Don't forget, if you are listening to this inside your Odyssey app or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to follow or subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are available. If you're watching on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, thanks to you as well. Come right on back here and get new episodes as soon as they are available. You can even tap that little notification bell down there if you have not subscribed yet to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page to get notified as soon as any new video content is posted by the fan to the YouTube page there, including, well, full episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I am your friendly host, Chris Mack. Hi, how are you? Like I said, a five-game win streak now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And wouldn't you know it, (laughs) I complained just a couple of weeks ago, they've got to be in playoff position by Thanksgiving because 75% of the teams that make the playoffs are in playoff position by Thanksgiving. And wouldn't you know it, as of that win in Columbus, guess who the final team in playoff position is in the Eastern Conference? It's your eight and six Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, this is early, early, early. 14 games in is, hold on, I'm going to try to do math now without hurting myself, is barely a sixth of the way into the season. Just a little more than a sixth of the way into the season. This is like calling a baseball team a playoff team after the first month of their regular season. And well, Pirates fans, We saw what that looked like. But here nor there, the Penguins have fixed themselves a good bit from where they were just a couple of weeks ago. And it is really all joking. We're going streaking aside. It has been off the backs of some impressive offensive streaks for this team. And even some defensive work uh, that is now streaking in a positive direction. But let's start with the guys that are the engine for this thing, the catalysts. Let's start with Sidney Crosby, a nine-game point streak now. Crosby's just absolutely cooking. Uh, The hat trick tonight, obviously. And tonight he shows you his capability to throw a team on his back. It still exists. It's still there. Don't, Don't question it. This guy is always going to be able to if necessary, throw things on his back from time to time. Uh, Sidney Crosby, 
was brilliant tonight. Uh, no more so than on his second goal of the night off of a pass from a shot pass from Eric Carlson. Crosby just off to the left of Elvis Merlikins, the Columbus goaltender. Uh, I, I, I can't even describe it. It's like watching a golfer with a 60 degree sand wedge drop a perfect flop shot from a, 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 a pot bunker somewhere over in Ireland. Get that thing popped up in the air, a good 20 feet up over the face of the bunker, and it just bloop, like drop, drops like a raindrop into a puddle, just bloop, right onto the green and slowly rolls to within like four feet of the cup. That's the kind of deft touch that Sidney Crosby has with his stick blade. He takes a shot from Eric Carlson that probably registered, again, a pass shot, but nonetheless registers i'm guessing somewhere around i don't know it looked like carlson may have taken a little off of it 75 80 85 miles an hour and his hand-eye coordination is so ridiculous that he's able to deftly deflect it just sort of chunk it right up over the goaltender's shoulder and right up onto the top shelf where uh, mama hides the cookies as they say it was gorgeous it was just chef's kiss uh, the epitome of Sidney Crosby and what we've seen from him over the years around the net with the ability to deftly deflect pucks and redirect them in ways that seemingly no one else can. And that comes off the back of his first goal, which was classic bad angle. He could be your ninth grade honors geometry teacher and explain it without a protractor level Sidney Crosby. Like, the man's talent is otherworldly. And here's the deal. Right now, he's doing things that really people doubt that players his age can do. I want to make sure I find the numbers. Here we go. Uh, credit to Danny Shirey. Um from Breakdowns and Breakaways. That's his sub stack where he covers the Pittsburgh Penguins. I want to give him proper credit. But credit to Danny Shirey. Um, Sidney Crosby currently on pace for 111 points. 111 points. And Crosby is also currently leading the NHL in on-ice expected goals for per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. He's the best player in the league again. I want to put that in proper perspective because if people are going to talk about a points race and if, look, he's on pace for 111 points right now. Maybe he stays on that pace. Maybe he doesn't. But I think what's more important to me is that he's doing it again at this age that just, he, he, he shouldn't be doing it at this age. How, how many players are this productive at this age? You got to go back. And I did this research, I want to say, God, right around the beginning of the season, if not the first week into the season. I'd have to go back and look it up again. Um, but his productivity at this age is on par with the all-time greats. And, I, I, I mean, even more so than Gretzky. We're talking like Gordie Howe-level production, better than Gordie Howe-level production at this, I don't want to call it advanced age, because, I mean, 
really. The dude's 36. I mean, he's, he's not in his 40s yet, but you know what I mean. Like this this production production by Sidney Crosby is ridiculous for his age. And again, I want to be clear about that. Um, he's just when you get that 111 point pay, uh, uh, 111 point pace, you're, you're doing something right. Um, so let me again, just pull up the numbers here. And of course the NHL.com website isn't going to work with me. So your patience is appreciated. Um, right now, Sidney Crosby is, here's the crazy part. As good as Sidney Crosby is playing right now, there are so many players playing well right now offensively around the league. He is uh, – this isn't updated for tonight's game. Uh, but he's going to be, after tonight's game, uh, I'd say top 15 in points in the league, somewhere around there. Um, and again, the styles of goals that he scored tonight tell you more than anything else that he hasn't – he has not skipped a beat. Um, so that's the first part of the streak that is important here. The nine game point streak for Sidney Crosby that has bolstered this five game winning streak for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The other streak I wanted to talk about a six game point streak now for Eric Carlson. Uh, I, aside from Crosby's brilliance, I don't know if there's a bigger story for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, I take that back. I know there is not a bigger story for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this season and certainly inside this five game winning streak than Eric Carlson's brilliance alongside Sidney Crosby. He is tied for the top spot in the league for goals by defensemen with five to this point in the season. He's also top 10 in the league in assists by defensemen with 10 now. Um, without Eric Carlson, I don't know where this team would be. Uh, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic uh, and McKean's Hockey has pointed it out plenty my former face-off factor brethren, um, has pointed it out plenty that the Eric Carlson addition has, and this is where it's really addition by addition. That, that doesn't make sense. That phrase was stupid. I'm going to take it back. This is where it's multi-layered, I should say, what Eric Carlson adds to this team and this roster. That's better, Chris. Thank you. Um, because of what Eric Carlson has done, two other things have unfolded right before our very eyes. One, Chris Letang, in effect, has become a better all-around defenseman because he's not worried about being the offensive defenseman, right? He's playing a truly good, very good 200-foot game right now, Chris Letang. I don't recall more than maybe once maybe twice so far in these first 14 games, seeing Chris Letang have the kind of dangerous top of the offensive zone or neutral zone turnover that leads into a rush back the other way that we had all become so frustrated with over the last three or four seasons. Because he's not being counted on to be that guy. He doesn't have to be that guy. Eric Carlson is that guy now. And yeah, Carlson's had at least a handful this year where I've gone, oh my God. And then you take a deep breath and go, live by the sword, die by the sword. Uh, Carlson will at times 
dangle a little too much or try to get a little too crafty in a spot on the ice where you would hope he doesn't. Now, when it pays off, it's beauty, right? It's it's hockey at its finest. It's Eric Carlson weaving through the neutral zone uh, from inside his own blue line all the way up through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone and looking like a fourth forward on the ice. Now, one time out of every 10, it blows up in his face. And that's going to happen. That's going to continue to happen. Like I want to be careful to make sure Penns fans understand that's part of the deal with Eric Carlson, but it's worth it. Anyway, I want to credit Jesse Marshall for pointing out that Eric Carlson's addition being multi-layered as it has, has not only contributed via Eric Carlson, obviously, it's also contributed to Chris Letang's game fully rounding into form through the first sixth of this season or so. And one other thing, Marcus Pedersen has become a as about a true shutdown defenseman as you can get. Now, I want to preface that or bracket that with this. I am of a generation that is always going to want to see my 6'3", 6'4", defenseman, however big Pedersen is, play more physically around the net. I would love to see him box dudes out more aggressively. I would take the occasional cross-checking penalty if it meant he was wielding the lumber in front of the net a little bit more and really using his body more than anything else, more than even the stick, to box guys out of the crease. I still don't think he plays physically enough for a guy of his size. I understand. He's not built. He's not jacked, okay? But with that size, with that frame, as slight as it may be compared to other guys of that size, especially in front of the net, he's got to do more. He just has to. Uh, I, that's the, but that's the only shortfall in Pedersen's game this year. He's been otherworldly otherwise. He has handled playing with Eric Carlson to a T, other than, again, when he's out there in a moment where he needs to be physical in front of his own net and protect his goaltender and keep the crease clear. I still have questions about that. But given the way the game is played now, I that's a small gripe compared to the way his entire game has been elevated by playing with Eric Carlson. Um, so that that layer cake of the effect that Carlson has had. And really, you could you could talk about Eric Carlson affecting everyone on this roster from Crosby on down. But at least on the blue line, there's that layered effect of, okay, Carlson gives Pedersen an opportunity to focus on the defensive half of his game because he knows Carlson's going to... Marcus Pedersen doesn't even have to worry, really, about handling the puck much or trying to generate offense or... No, let 65 do all that. I'm going to focus on staying at home and shutting things down when they do come back the other way or getting the puck out of our zone with possession, hopefully, which consists of just getting it to my partner, right? Anyway, he's lifted Marcus Pedersen's game up. He's lifted Chris Letang's game up in so much as Letang doesn't have to be the offensive defenseman, right? So that's the layered effect of Carlson that comes on top of his offense. Just this trickle-down effect on the rest of the roster, including Evgeny Malkin, who, this is another streak we can talk about. He's got points in five of his last six games now, too. And look, the first goal of the night for Columbus, 
that's on Malkin especially, but Malkin and Raquel um, Marchenko. Uh, because, look, it was it was a beauty of a goal by Marchenko. I don't want to take anything away from, from him, but it doesn't go back the other way. It does if Malkin isn't trying the extra dipsy doodle just inside the offensive blue line. And then Raquel, and to that point, who else was the oh Riley Smith? If the three of them don't come back on that one, like they're looking for a line change in a beer league hockey game, that was bad. And that's why I saw some people, including the great Josh Yoey, my friend from the Athletic, write that the first period was a bad one for the Penguins, despite what the numbers said. I didn't think the the, the period as a whole was necessarily bad. I just thought they had some egregiously bad moments in the first period including the Marchenko goal, including uh, the Chinnikov goal, uh, which was soft. Jari should have made that save. I'm sorry. I know he was screened. He's, he's, he's too big to not stop that puck. I, I'm so tired of seeing pucks leak in behind Tristan Jari. Different conversation for a different day. He gets a dub tonight, even if he didn't play his best game. And didn't have to play his best game, to be quite honest, because in the second and third periods, the Penguins were utterly dominant. Utterly dominant. But back to Malkin and Carlson for just a second. When those two were on the ice together, dear sweet Jesus, adios mio, those two together are otherworldly. Now, it's... I've never done hard drugs. And kids, I don't recommend you try them either. But Carlson and Malkin together on the ice is what I imagine doing like a speedball would be like. And again, for the kids that aren't into hard drugs, I'm not going to explain it. Google it when your parents aren't around or when you're not on your school laptop. Um, but it's, oh my God, this is going to be the most euphoric feeling ever or I might die. And when Carlson and Malkin are out there together, it is very much, this is amazing. Oh my God, we just gave up a five on three shorthanded. Uh, that's always a possibility, right? <laughs> that's just, it's a distinct possibility with Carlson Malkin. It's also a distinct possibility that you're going to see something that's so beautiful, it makes you weep, okay? Tears of joy. Uh, and I want to recognize that. Like, there's, it's not to say that when Carlson and Crosby are on the ice together, you might not get something similar, like the Crosby 60-degree wedge shot that we got off of the Carlson shot pass tonight. But, when it's Carlson and Malkin out there together, it's like, it's, I, I for, for hip-hop fans, it's like, hip-hop fans of a certain age anyway, it's like listening to, to Eminem and, give me another great, Eminem and Royce to 5'9", even though Royce to 5'9 doesn't get nearly the credit he should for being a great rapper, great lyricist. Uh, Eminem's buddy from Detroit. It's like the two of them freestyling off of each other. That's what Carlson and Malkin are like. And every once in a while, there might be a lyric that gets real cringy, and you're like, ooh. But it's just, by the end, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they strung that together. Um, that's, for Penn's fans, what Malkin and Carlson together out there is. It's just, dear Lord, beautiful sometimes. Always has a chance to go up in flames spectacularly, but I wanted to acknowledge that tonight too, since Carlson's got the six-game point streak. Malkin's got points in five out of his last six. 
one other thing, even though I don't, I don't think it relates to a streak at all. Well, here, I'll work this in reverse. Uh, I'll cycle around this bad boy. Penguins have killed 11 penalties in a row. Lars Eller has a lot to do with that. Lars Eller is a great penalty killer. Um, Lars Eller also anchors what, at least statistically, according to puck possession metrics tonight. And again, I'm going to bracket this point with puck possession metrics are not everything. They can help. They can help flesh out the story or they can help you find something that may have been missing, especially when you don't look at them in granular detail. When you widen it out, I mean, zoom out and look at them through the perspective of multiple games or packs of games, right? Anyway, according to puck possession metrics, go to naturalstattrick.com. You can look all this up. The best line on the ice for the Penguins tonight was, again, Zahorna, Eller, and O'Connor. Now, I'm not going to tell you that they were the best line on the ice there because they weren't the most productive line on the ice. Uh, and Sidney Crosby was the most was the best everything on the ice tonight. Um, so by virtue of that, the first line becomes the, the best line on the ice tonight. But they led the team as a unit in just about every puck possession metric you could want to lead a team in. And I'm scrolling through all of them right now. That's why I'm taking a peek down at the screen right now. So real quick, let's go through this. Corsi four, uh, they led the team, almost the 70%. Uh, Fenwick also led the team, almost 69%. Shots four, shots against, 10 to two, the third line, uh, easily. So they had 83% of the shot share when they were on the ice. Uh, Weren't on the ice for any goals either way. So if you... Here's the thing, and I'm going to stop there rather than scrolling through, you know, high danger chances, five to one, the third line. So again, they had 83% of the high danger uh, share uh, when their line was on the ice. There, there's a million other numbers to go through, but I'm going to stop at, um, God, even expected goals for and expected goals against, they were the best line on the ice, just ahead of the top line, Crosby's unit. But here nor there, my point is this, uh, no goals for, no goals against uh, at even strength for that line. And it's important to note, I think, because at the beginning of the year, you may remember me saying, if these depth lines, man, if they can just hold serve, right? That's good enough. Just hold serve and then let the top lines come out and work their magic. And after the first couple of weeks, we were seeing that that, that it just wasn't enough for the third and fourth lines to just hold serve. So Horner came up, got plugged into the third line, and we started to see what that line was capable of. Fourth line got re, uh, retweaked, you know, turned some knobs, flipped some switches. Jeff Carter hit the press box, and it became Achari Nieto and eventually Hinestroza. And that fourth line held serve tonight as well. Uh, no goals for, no goals against. So no goals when either of the two depth lines were on the ice. If I get puck possession out of those two lines, in particular, the easy O line, I'm trying to make that work. I know. Stop trying to make fetch happen. I'm trying to make the easy O line work. E for Eller, Z for Zahorna, O for O'Connor, easy O, because, well, on a night like the tonight, they control 83% of the shot share when they're on the ice. The easy O line. Anyway. If you can control the puck the way the easy O-line does at even strength, 
think I'm okay with you not scoring any goals as long as you're not letting the other team score any either at even strength. If you come out of a game, zero goals for, zero goals against, but you control the shot share to the tune of 83%, which is what the easy O-line did tonight, I, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. If you're the third line, absolutely. I'll take that from a third line any day of the week. Now, you are going to have to turn some of that into offense. Absolutely. Turn some of that into offense sometimes. Uh, But on a night like tonight, where your captain and the singular best player in the world still, I said it, um, is dominating, you don't have to. So I want to give props to Lars Eller for his penalty kill work. Again, 11 in a row. We're streaking. Um, 11 penalty kills in a row. And that third line that Eller centers between Redeem Zahorna and Drew O'Connor, the easy O lines. Somebody in the strip make a t-shirt. It'll it'll market itself. Um, one final thing I wanted to touch, touch on um, is that Jari wasn't perfect. Yeah, because I'm going to find a negative. Lots of positive, despite the shaky first period from this team. Jari was not fantastic. If the Penguins had continued to play anything like they did in the back half of the first period in the final 40 minutes, they lose this game tonight. They do. Um, uh, I don't know if he's less than 100%. I don't know if he's still bothered by the collision out west and the effects of it. I would. It doesn't sound like it. It looked more just like Tristan Jari being Tristan Jari, to be quite honest, inconsistent Tristan Jari. And some nights he's not going to make the big saves when you need him to. And there were a couple instances of that tonight. Uh, Had they lost, it would not have been all his fault. I want to be clear about that. Had uh, Sidney Crosby not come swooping in to save the day in the third period alongside Eric Carlson, uh, it would not have been all Jari's fault. It would have been the team for playing as lackadaisically as they did at times in the first period, and then allowing Columbus to come back in, which, by the way, as much as I praised Chris Letang earlier, terrible job on the third Columbus goal, chasing the puck into the corner when Ryan Graves already has the man marked. What are you doing? Leaving the net front completely wide open. Riley Smith has to crash down and try to take care of things, and I love Riley Riley Smith as well, but that's not his job. Um so as much as I love what Chris Letang has done uh, so far this year as a whole, that one moment right there on the third Columbus goal, mm-mm, not so good. Um, but it, so it, it would not have been all Jari's fault. But this is a game where had Sidney Crosby not been individually brilliant, they probably lose. And we're asking ourselves a lot of questions about Tristan Jari again. And I just... With the schedule ramping up the way it's going to in the next couple of weeks, I, I, I don't want to sit there and ask myself questions every night about whether I trust my goaltender. I don't. I, I don't want to ask myself if I'm going to get the shutout level Tristan Jari or if I'm going to get the Tristan Jari that you know gives up a couple sloppy ones here and there that keep a team in it. Um, again. Don't want to harp on too much negative because it's a 5-3 win and they're technically back in a playoff spot, which is exactly what we harped on with Thanksgiving right around the corner. Thanksgiving now, as I sit here and record this, the night of the win over the Blue Jackets, Thanksgiving now just nine days away. 
And in the next 11 days, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to play six games, including five in an eight-day stretch starting this coming Saturday. And let's take a look at that real quick because of those six games in the next 11 days, five of them are against teams that are currently in playoff position. Devils, Canes, Golden Knights, Rangers, Leafs. There's a game uh, in Buffalo the on Black Friday amongst the mix. That's tough. Um, this To this point, they have benefited from a schedule that was softer than most. It was. Uh, we don't have to sugarcoat it. Uh, yeah, they had Dallas and Colorado at one point. They did have a Detroit team that is better than some people thought they would be, or at least paying off at this point in the season on some promise that people have held out for them for a while. Um, they got the Kings on the road at that. Uh, but, you know, when you've got Anaheim twice and San Jose, and Calgary and St. Louis and Ottawa in there, it's their record should be better than it is. They shouldn't be the eighth and final playoff team in the Eastern Conference right now. But nonetheless, that's where they are. And now all of a sudden, they've got to pick their game up and raise it to the level of their opponents. And this is a tough stretch. This business is about to pick up, as they say. And you know I like to do this. You know I like to look at chunks of games and tell you what I think they should get out of it. Okay? What I think they should get out of it. And again, if we do the math, if you just do the math and say it's going to take 97 points to get into the playoffs, right? That means 1.2 points per game. So if you're playing six games, you got to get me at least seven points. I mean, that's not asking a lot. It's not. It's not. So, yeah, about, yeah, 97 points in 82 games is 1.2 points per game. And you've got six enormous games coming up in the next 11 days. Get me, you know, eight points. Can you get me eight points in six games? I don't think that's asking too much. Because you've got Buffalo in there, right? You should beat Buffalo. You should. And then from there, it's not easy, <laughs> to be honest. Um, the Devils are damned good right now. Really good right now. And uh, look, I should, I should be clear. All of these teams are playing right now well right now the devils technically actually wouldn't be a playoff team so i take them if four out of the next six teams in these 11 days would be in playoff position but the devils are, are still damn good a lot of young individual talent and they can literally due to their team speed skate circles around the penguins if they want to here nor there wow tampa is not a playoff team now either but they're not they're not a part of this stretch that i'm talking about i'm talking about the next six games in 11 days they have Tampa at the end of the month. So you got to get a win against Jersey. If Jersey's in, in a bit of a, a bit of a doldrum, right? Are they? Uh, I, I think they've picked it back up as of late. Carolina's tough. Vegas, the Rangers. Oh, it's just Starkin. Um, I don't care how they get them. Just get me eight points in the next six games and keep yourself in line with that wild card positioning that I think is important 
um, to be in because, like I said, and it's it's a fact, it's a statistic. Seventy five percent of all teams that have made the playoffs in the salary cap era were in playoff position at Thanksgiving. Now, the one thing to keep in mind is you've got two back to backs during this stretch, and I'll be honest, I don't mind from a goaltending perspective. I do worry about the team from a travel perspective. For example, this coming weekend, they're in Raleigh on Saturday to play the Hurricanes, and then they play the Vegas Golden Knights Sunday night here back home. It's not a long flight, Raleigh to Pittsburgh, but the team that they'll be playing, the Golden Knights, will have already gotten to Pittsburgh. They play the Flyers at like 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon in Philly. So the Golden Knights will have played a game, packed up, come to Pittsburgh, had dinner, settled down in their hotel rooms on a Saturday night, and the Pens will just be taking the ice down in Raleigh. Mm, I don't like that one. And then the following weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, at Buffalo on Black Friday, the following night at home against the Leafs. And I don't know if this is tradition or not, but it feels like the Toronto Maple Leafs are always, again, maybe I'm imagining it, maybe it's just anecdotal, Feels like the Toronto Maple Leafs are always in town Thanksgiving weekend at some point. Here nor there. There are going to be a ton of Canadians. Not Montreal kind. Um, like, nationality. Canadians here uh, that weekend. Because they love to come down here for games. They love to come see Crosby. And if you're a hockey fan, you know, I had Mark Forward from uh, Letterkenny. Plays coach on Letterkenny on the last episode of the podcast. Um, that Letterkenny live tour is in town. That same night. Um, that the Pens play the Maple Leafs. So there will be droves of Ontarioans uh, come on down for this for that one. Um, it's the second half of a back-to-back as well. I don't like that for this aging team. Uh, I do like it to see Magnus Helberg, he said with a question mark on his face. I think I do. Um, because, look, I just sat here and, and found the one thing to complain about after this Tuesday night victory over the Blue Jackets in Tristan Jari, or one of the few things to complain about. I'd like Helberg to push him, to be quite honest. Um, This team has a history of their starting goaltenders. Look at Greg Finley, producer, with the quick research. 2021, they played Toronto on November 20th, so that would have been the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh or the week leading into Thanksgiving. And then last year, they played them on November 26th, which is also right after Thanksgiving. So it's not just all in my head. Lots of stuff is just in my head, including their voices. But some of the stuff is legit, including the fact that they seemingly always have the Leafs come to town or play the Leafs right around Thanksgiving. Back to my point. I want to see Helberg. I want to see Helberg play well. I want to see Helberg push Jari a little bit because the history of this franchise over the last, let's go back eight years now, is that the lead dog plays that much better when he's got number two right there on his tail. And if you're watching on the YouTube page, you see that this finger represents the dog chasing the other one. That's terrible pantomiming. Uh, But if you're listening, you don't have to worry about seeing it. And I appreciate you for subscribing to Fifth Avenue Face Off inside your Odyssey app, your iTunes app, or however you get your podcasts. Next episode will be 
let's see. After this weekend's action, a chance to wrap up what we – or no, it'll be Thursday night, actually. I want to talk to you after uh, Thursday night's game against the Devils. And then we'll start to worry about the weekend action. But just cast an eye towards as they as they got a five-game win streak now and the temperature gets turned up, you know, they take a step up in level of competition with Jersey on Thursday night to see if they can keep it going. Keep an eye, cast an eye towards the next six games. Eight points in those six games would be really, really nice. And then maybe we're just hanging out with some nice Canadian folks on a Saturday night after Thanksgiving, having some Molsons, eh? Um, again, thank you for listening to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I am your esteemed host, Chris Mack. Thanks to producer Greg Finley. A reminder to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get it. Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. They're all available to you, but do so today. And of course, right here on the YouTube page for 93.7 The Fan as well. Make sure you tap that subscription bell down there. You'll get notifications as soon as new videos are ready for you, including full episodes of this right here, Fifth Avenue Faceoff.